Hi everybody, this is Sam. I'm here with Biz and Alexi, and today we're gonna to be talking about nepotism babies. This is a topic that has been requested by a few listeners, but we got a really sweet email from our biggest fan in Japan, Mia, who requested it, so shout out to Mia. Just for a definition of nepotism babies, it's just kind of self-explanatory. A person in the media industry that had uh, that got their position via nepotism. Figures that are kind of well-known within this are like Kaya Gerber, Lily Rose Depp, uh, Kendall Jenner. Uh, there's a lot of them in the modeling industry right now. I think, honestly, the best examples of super nepo babies are when the babies go into the exact same industry as their parents. So Kaya Gerber and Cindy Crawford, they're both models. And that has a kind of like eugenicist flair to it where it's just <laughs> like, okay, we've accepted that your parent's perfect. So just by default, you're perfect too. And it's like a more ready acceptance. Um, and Lily Rose Depp, her father is Johnny Depp, but her mother is also model Vanessa Paradis. So she's a multi-hyphenate model actress, which is just like so obvious. It's like she just absorbed those as a child and was like, okay. Yeah, the eugenicist thing is really funny because with Nepo babies, people are constantly doing these like side-by-sides where they do like a um, like phrenology on the child to compare them <laughs> to like youth pictures of their parents. People do that with Kaya Gerber and Cindy Crawford all the time and also Lily Rose and her mom. And it's something that yeah, people are really fascinated by, I think. That to me is such a small town thing to do. Like I just <laughs> feel like I'm sitting on a porch and walking, watching them walk by and being like, wow, she looks just like her mama. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> I don't sorry. know why people get such a kick out of that. I think people really like um, to notice like the details of a face, especially right now online. It's like uh, doing the algorithms work for like for it. Well, I think also there's a generational thing where people like to debate if Kaya Gerber is prettier than Cindy Crawford or if Lily Rose Depp is prettier or like what their moms had that they don't that makes them not have as much star power as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think... um, the debate really comes from the fact that there really are not that many models that are of that are, that are akin to like the universal beauty and transcendent beauty of the supermodels that we know, like Linda Evangelista, or even just models from like the early two thousands, such as Lindsay Wixon, who had very strange faces. Um, Kaya Gerber specifically, she's very pretty for an average person, but she literally looks like just like a hot cashier at like the corner store. Like she just looks like a normal person, um, which is kind of frustrating to me, but you know, no disrespect to her career or anything. So I can understand why people get upset about um, them being included into an industry that is supposed to uphold uh, transcendent beauty. Mm -hmm. Because I think the modeling industry well, everyone always says like beauty is not democratic, which it's not. And the modeling industry, for the most part, kind of upheld that in the past, I think. Yeah, I think there is no earning your beauty, which is why I think Bella Hadid is such an interesting example of a nepotism baby, because she is by far, in my opinion, the most interesting supermodel in the industry. And she literally bought her face like um, it's not meritocratic, of course, but she earned the beauty and was able to like cultivate it um which is kind of to me the only issue i would take from that is that i think uh the ultimate standard of beauty in like a healthy society is unattainable so 
uh, people shouldn't feel like they can look like a supermodel if they're if they lose a bunch of weight or get a bunch of surgery like we should go back to these like genetic freaks that you would not be able to see in real life at all i think that is better for people's egos and psyches i totally agree we should talk right now about the models or specifically kylie jenner and bella hadid and what we think about them and their transformations and their childhood stories bella hadid kind of pokes a hole in my theory that there are two ways for the modern girl which is based on the kylie and kendall dichotomy kylie represents this looks maxing bootstraps option which is weirdly kind of more accessible than kendall's super low maintenance white girl vibe (laughs) because i feel like kendall's appeal mostly hinges on her skinniness and like the severity of, of her bone structure but bella kind of is between those because she's like obviously super surged up in the face but she still has that effortless white girl vibe kylie is kind of like an additive process it's like you add on lips you add on the bbl effect you add on like crazy long extensions but i think that seems easier especially for instagram models where it's like these are things that just look photographically strong yeah, I totally. One thing that I uh, really fascinates me about people like Bella and Kylie is the size of their mouths. They're like very <laughs> wide. Um, and also a, a person that's sometimes associated with this movement, Alana, Alana Champion, aka Alana BC on Instagram. She has also a very wide mouth. Um, and we've talked before, I think we've talked before about like the pepification of like hot girls. Oh, we have. <laughs> it's like. It's like a Pepe effect. The algorithm really likes people who have wide, large, cartoonish mouths um, that look like they can swallow you whole. This TikToker yesterday set, or maybe not yesterday, but very recently set the Guinness World Record for largest female mouth gape. So Alana Champion should go up against um, Bella and Kylie and see what they can do with their mouth gapes. It's just like eat each other alive, yeah. Yeah, Bella's mouth seems really small, but it has like a really crazy flexibility. Like she looks like that one Aphex to an album cover. <gasps> oh my god, Bella Hadid looks exactly like that. Bella Hadid in general has very, she has very Aphex twin vibes in general because of her, her like botched transcendence. Yeah, digitized mm-hmm. like robotic beauty. Um, it looks, I mean, she literally is like copy pasted collage person you know bella hadid is like some kind of really weird nepo model because it i don't know her parents weren't really that famous her mom was on like real housewives of beverly hills right um Mm -hmm. but she's like a nepotism model of carla bruni who isn't actually her mom but she has like her she adopted all of her genetic traits and people are addicted to comparing them in the same way but it's so postmodern. It's kind of reminds me of how like a lot of modern celebrities have clones that got famous for just looking like them, like all of the Ariana Grande clones and Kylie clones that popped up. I mean, that's actually funny. I mean, I think another thing of like a nepotism model baby, like the final goal is to marry a politician. So um, I think it would be cool if Bella Hadid married like Baron Trump or something. I feel like it used to be now it's like Mary a gay sound soundcloud rapper like yeah but yeah, for real i was gonna say about carla bruni and bell hadid's genetics spit swap is like when 
Sam, when you talk about Bella being the most, like, the most dynamic supermodel of our time, I agree with that, but I think it's because she's so good at emulating the charisma of, like, 80s, 90s models like Carla Bruni. She has this, like, warmth Mm -hmm. and, like, personality that she's always giving that I think was eroded in other models at this time. Yeah, she has an elegance. So I think that Kylie and Bella always come out on top of their naturally more beautiful, slightly older sisters all the time. And, And you constantly see people being like, oh, Kendall just, her shoot with Jack Moose got released, but it fucking sucks. And Kylie's shoot with Days got released and it's so much better. Um, I think this is because Kendall and Gigi were like the golden children of their families and they were really cherished for their beauty from a really young age and never had to learn how to manage it as Alexi would call this. What do you call it? It's like what, like white girl low maintenance, like low maintenance white girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that they really cherish their low maintenance-ness and it, they see it as a badge of honor. Versus K- Bella and Kylie both have really deep inferiority complexes from childhood, but now like inspire them to serve because they <laughs> were ugly ducklings and underdogs. And now they're both like drag queens. Like they're really theatrical and committed. And there's like a performance about their beauty that Bella that Kendall and Gigi could never understand by circumstances of their birth I think yeah yeah like Kendall and Gigi both have like the awkward girl thing of like because they want to like maybe highlight their own beauty by uh being like goofy or relatable uh Bella and Kylie both have like poise to them uh they have like a lot of elegance into their Mm -hmm. movements and a charm that they probably developed as a necessity when they were both pre-surgery ugly um well not ugly I mean just average uh but yeah but being average for being a nepo baby is I can imagine the stress of the disappointment of that but there are a lot of nepo babies that are flops like Rob Kardashian yeah or like Mia Farrow's kids who are like all very troubled and some of them are like homeless and stuff like I mean Demi Demi Moore's children are flops Kind of. I mean, uh, Rumor Rumor Willis, I remember her being kind of famous back in the day, but she never really did anything. Oh, I think right. what an, a, like a flop Nepo baby should do, like if you were born, unfortunately, without the looks of your famous parents, just make a TV show about it and call it Girls and it will be like amazing <laughs> and really good. And like everybody will love it, you know, like just go to college, get an intellectual boyfriend who will later have like a political podcast. <laughs> like, um make a tv show about it yeah every single actress and girls was a nepo baby jemima kirk Zosh- zosha zosha oh, damn. ma it's lena dunham is sending shots no they're literally doing fireworks on the street you have to be fucking kidding dude lena dunham is like <laughs> the fire window she's shooting through my window can they chill out? I'm recording a podcast. Okay. Alexi escaped the Lena Dunham mafia. She she got them to stop shooting <laughs> at her house. So back to the subject at hand. <laughs> I love how Lena Dunham's parents were like artists. That was funny. Um, oh, yeah. Should we talk about the tension between 
I really want to talk about how I think this has to do with the the Trump administration in part and like maybe we I don't know that's just an interesting point to me or can we talk about clash consciousness I think that has to do with why people dunk on nepo babies yeah I think Mm -hmm. that that word was introduced because people started talking about class in America which is not something that was really a conversation before the past couple years before the Trump administration Mm -hmm. really it was not mainstream and you are right, like, um, it became a lot more stigmatized to be a media nepotism baby because everyone hated that Donald Trump hired his whole family. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think hate uh, rich people just became more hated as well. And also with the advent of the internet and social media, it just became so easy to figure out whose parents are who. For example, like King Princess is a queer pop star who is not even like a true Nepo baby in the sense that we're talking about now, but the internet allowed people to figure out that her like great grandparents were on the Titanic and like got off the Titanic instead of dying. And from there, people were able to be like, wait a second, that probably means they're rich. And then like did all the sleuthing. So people just became really interested in like, piecing together people's generational wealth story yeah it seems like a conspiracy theory but i think someone should really make a meme that's you know like virgin versus chad or i guess like the person kind of freaking out versus like person who's like chad where it's like millennials are the ones saying no you can't just make people famous because their parents are famous and then all of the gen z like high fashion girls on twitter are like yes we can (laughs) because it seems like gen z girls like they have class consciousness but i think it has to do with this kind of defeatist attitude about like the entertainment industry just relinquishing control um yeah and the culture wars have gotten very exhausting for everybody and people are tired of talking about them so it is like this sort of like slacker mentality i feel like has something to do with it um and, you know, I think, of, again, like, of course, there, this has always existed, like, the Coppolas, like, Nick Cage, Charlie Sheen, like, I could go on and on, like, this is something that was probably more prevalent before the media that we have today, which is kind of like a dying industry, um, because of the internet. So, um, I think it's interesting to see uh, how few celebrities we actually have. Uh, that are institutional celebrities and people still shit on them. Mm -hmm. But like, I seriously think that if you're Gen Z, having a really explicit talent is kind of chuggy. Like, it's kind of embarrassing to be super talented. It's like better to be minimal. That might be true. I mean, I think people don't like... uh, other it you know the internet really um or social media really like enhances envy so i think people have a lot of more sense of humility and are embarrassed to share any type of talent or really cultivate it because they fear retaliation somehow um yeah i think maybe talented people can't really relate to them but nepo babies you can at least relate to their sense of reluctance yeah so i think the reason some of these girls like Alana Champion, Lily Rose Depp, and Emily Allen Lind are so popular as these kind of like 
images and icons, especially on Twitter, is that all these girls look so good while they're doing nothing. Like they're very much, I mean, they have careers in their own way, but they are basically just like a bunch of photo booth selfies and paparazzi pictures walking to Whole Foods. And that fits within this larger moment of girls really relating to the novel My Year of Rest and Relaxation, which is about, I actually never read that. So if anyone wants to chime in. I read it like, I feel like I read it in like two sittings on like a bus, but (laughs) it's basically just about this girl who is really pretty and has generational wealth, I think. She was like an art history major and she lives in Manhattan and she decides for a year to just check out of her life by doing like sedatives. Um, and she's kind of like abusing prescription, not prescription drugs, like she gets prescribed them by a really lazy psychiatrist. And um, yeah, just like doesn't work, doesn't really interact with people that much. And I think it has to do with this fantasy of like, checking out but not actually committing suicide <laughs> you know yeah. because suicide is like one form of opting out um and it's not really quite as self-destructive but it implies that you have this cushion where you like work is not a necessity um yeah and i think yeah. the chokehold that model off duty as a style has on gen z is really crazy i think this is i think this is really tied to what you coined as unremarkable brunette syndrome because it's like you're literally wearing a spaghetti strap tank top with jeans and a hair clip and like people go wild over you because you just have this like special energy yeah and I mean a lot of people are just like they're just skinny which I don't think is true um but I think the big thing is that there's because of social media and the democratization of looks maxing, like most girls know how to style themselves in an attractive way. Like girls know how to do makeup really well. Girls know how to like do their hair and dress well for relatively cheap. Um, So there's a surplus of girls who know how to formally kind of turn looks online. But if the paparazzi are already following these (laughs) nepotism girls and paparazzi photos are already like so much more powerful and create these like iconic moments because they imply that you're like someone who's considered as important it's just way more powerful than like a self-directed photo shoot could ever be no yeah i think i really agree and and what's interesting about the democratization of looks maxing um specifically i think a lot of people are upset at some nepotism models because they are not as aesthetically pleasing as previous models of the past and um I, I think it's also because, um, you know, that there's like a, a laziness to a lot of fashion editorials now, like the latest, um, like Vogue 2021 September issue was just like a bunch of people in like half-assed outfits standing around an office building, just like the office. And, um, and I think it's also like makeup artists who have trained themselves online only really know how to like contour to one specific standardized face. So they don't really know how to like project or like bring enhance people's natural beauty. They just kind of make them look like the standard contoured face or something like that. Um, so as much as it's like democratized, it's also like a standardized look for people. Um, it's not like a Pat, Pat McGrath type thing. 
That has a lot to do as well with um, how much your Instagram following determines the trajectory of your modeling career because like in the past, having an individual, a very individual face really could help people with their, with their, sorry, with their modeling careers. Um, but now if you are able to have a face that appeals to the masses on Instagrams and on Instagram and gain a really big following, that's going to help you like book more jobs and like land bigger covers. So having this homogenized face works in your favor in a commercial aspect, but in terms of artfulness, it works in the opposite direction. I would love to talk about the September Vogue cover a little bit more. And Biz, you said something really funny about it, but you know, it's the tagline is that they're the faces changing the industry, but both Bella and Kaya Gerber are there arguably like the most notable Nepo girls along with like a dark-skinned girl and a kind of plus-size girl and like a ginger and I think it's a really good illustration of how the industry is at this weird crossroads where they're admitting this guilty conscience like they're saying it's no longer this completely unattainable fantasy world but they're offering the most mid kind of consolations for their past mistakes and it kind of the like looks maxing reddit i shouldn't refer to too much because like the fem cells on there are really toxic but we talk about them they... every episode i know we do i know <laughs> they're fucking impact uh they have this like theory called halos and phalos and it's like halos are features that like everyone across most cultures will agree are like really beautiful and phalos are like features that are just undesirable and they're like, you can have one phalo, but everything else has to be perfect. And that's like what this Vogue cover looked like to me. It's like, okay, you can have like really dark skin, but everything about you is like, you're also skinny. Like you can be kind of plus size, but you're like white and everything else is like really beautiful. And it is like a very late, you're right. It's a very lazy consolation prize. Um, for an industry that's like kind of admitting its own failure, uh, which really kind of like, I think it, when people are angry or whenever you, people see you um, kind of like genuflect to your own like mistakes, people are angry at you for like being so lack, lacking so much dignity. Yeah. And I also think in this case, a lot what a lot of lazy casting directors or whoever casts these things does do is like they have replaced the idea of models having personality with like diversity so instead of finding a certain model that is diverse and also has a personality they just pick someone who's just like checks the quota for whatever they need to have in this photo for it to be representative and inclusive but they don't look for anything else in the model, really. This, like, kind of tension between, like, filling a quota and actual people with, like, aura and personality is why Gen Z girlies are so leaning into nepotism babies, nepotism models. I think it's not, like, they're not trying to be reactionary, like, oh, like, we don't want to see representation. <laughs> but I think they're aware of how pathetic the industry is kind of reacting and I think they want that unattainable fantasy world that the 90s had to offer. So it's like a combination of nostalgia for that and just like cultural defeatism and just like exhaustion yeah. with having to deal with like new celebrities. 
So I feel like it's, I don't know, I feel like it's a dynastic entertainment system and Mm -hmm. it has to, it has like the same root cause for why intellectual property is really lame. Like everything is like a sequel, remake, spinoff these days, which is something like, I don't know how millennials feel about that. They seem kind of conflicted because they're so nostalgia-pilled. But they, like, hate corporations like Disney for buying up, like, all of the IP in the world. I mean, I think it's because um, it, there is no such thing as new ideas, but we require so much output that the level of recycling is getting annoying. Um, mm-hmm. I think, Alexi, what you're talking about there reminds me of a concept we touched on again in our vampire GF Twilight episode, which is, like, the idea of your, like, literal blood being special enough to make you have a really strong compelling aura which is something Mm -hmm. that nepo models have because by mere existence they have like a history to them Mm -hmm. uh, a dynastic history and that is something that you can't find unless you are born into that type of family oh wait i actually want to say something about this alexi rancy or something so you talk alexi you talk about um context collapsing a lot and how there's no context for anything anymore and I think with Nepo models, there's an automatic context for their existence, which is their parents, which I think is like a nice, juicy detail when you're consuming content about them. Yeah, there's a high level of curiosity just about their childhood and like how their parent was as a parent. Yeah. Wait, do you guys remember when Leroy's dad defended her dad when Amber Heard was saying that he was like, a domestic abuser for like 10 years yeah. yeah that was a really sad this is another thing too it's like why i sympathize a lot with lily rose Depp because that must have been such a traumatizing like the way that they were going back and forth like just accusing each other of like pooping and peeing everywhere and like it was just so it got so ugly like i feel really bad for her um and i know that she struggles and that might actually add to her mystique because she has such a complicated mythology to her and she doesn't really like um do that many interviews and she's very reserved and so there's so much mystery to her so it's like again like this the special blood like unremarkable brunette syndrome thing of like you want people to seek you out because you're so Mm -hmm. special you're not trying to like promote yourself at all it's just like by nature of your energy um people are drawn to you um uncontrollably and that's very much a lily rose depth thing i think because she's so private um yeah, she didn't have a, a public Instagram account, so I think she was, like, in her late teens. But also, mm. Lily Rose Jeff is mysterious because she almost died from lockjaw as a child. She, like, stepped on a, a piece of rusty metal and almost died. So Damn. that makes anyone more mysterious when they have a... <sighs> she does seem like a princess. Yeah, that's yeah. a very princessy thing. I remember hearing that on the radio when I was a child. Um, no, and then also she... Uh... Her look very much, like, harkens back to the early 2000s, like, Mew Mew Chanel revival with, like, Lindsay Wixon, Kira Knightley, that sort of thing. I feel, um, like, she, I feel like Lily Rose has a, a northern renaissance vibe to her with her massive forehead. She played Catherine the Great in something, didn't she? Yeah, she... Yeah, the king. Did she play Catherine the Great? No, I thought she played a peasant. My favorite thing, Lily Rose Depp just, um, there's this interview with her in Interview Magazine with Kira Knightley, because I guess they're doing something together soon. Um, and she literally kind of, like, admits that she's confused 
confused by being surrounded by classically trained and traditionally educated people. Like, she's like, yeah, on set, it's just like, everyone really knows what they're doing. And she quotes Natalie Portman's acting masterclass on the website masterclass that you can, like, access for, like, $20 a month as, like, where she learned about acting. I'm like, girl, what? But she also has, like, an acting coach, but she was like, my acting coach makes me, like, crawl around on the floor. Yeah, it's really funny how uh, Johnny Depp was in all these Tim Burton movies, and it's somehow he managed to produce a Tim Burton-esque baby with, like, a giant head. It's so true. And huge eyes and, like, sunken cheekbones. Yeah, she seriously looks That's like the corpse so bride. so funny because she looks exactly like, yeah, the, also the trend on TikTok where people were using a filter to make themselves look like Tim Burton characters, and she has that face naturally. Yeah. It's like a spiritual transference whenever he was filming like Edward Scissorhands or something when she was conceived. So like he just has like a weird like steampunk Victorian aesthetic to her face. Sam, I think you said earlier that Lily Rose Depp has a very traditional transcendental beauty. Uh, And that is very, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's true because she... Like, a lot of these other models are very boring. Kendall Jenner, I think she's very pretty. And I also think Kaya Gerber is very pretty. But they're pretty for, like, real life. They're pretty for, like, a girl sitting in the back of your class or, like, the waitress at the cafe. Like, they're not pretty for high fashion magazine spreads, you know? They look normal. And Lily Rose, if I if you saw her in real life, you'd probably stare her down because she has such an interesting face. That's why girls are obsessed with her because it's literally the, like, um perceiving yourself being looked at irresistibly beautiful in any context it's like the fantasy of listening to music on the train and everyone around you is like wow that girl's so pretty if i could style her in an editorial photo shoot fuck what was the girl who's wearing american apparel bus oh amber lamps with the fight video amber yeah, lamps. I, would, <laughs> I would style her as amber lamps and do a recreation yeah. of it <laughs> But I think it's interesting. It is there. There has to be some sort of psychological connection to Twilight because all of the accounts that I see Lily Rose Depp inspo um, were like hopping on the Twilight baby doll thing. They're the reason why the Twilight aesthetic was associated with body shaming. Um, but it was just like they they related very deeply to the vampiric narrative. Um, and they like being haunted. Yeah, visually, there's an interest in like soft hauntedness and that goes between these two genres what i think is funny is i was trying to find out what alana champion's background was and there was a lot of rumors that she was lana del rey's sister so i think it's interesting the way that people build these like mythologies and connecting all these like random things that are like vaguely associated with each other um that is like very much like uh the collapse of collective narratives or whatever chaos magic yeah it's a conspiracy theory yeah yeah it does seem like people are on every single level more interested in people's backgrounds than they used to be Mm -hmm. well we don't have any collective stories anymore i think like does anyone know who like um like paul revere is anymore like paul bunyan (laughs) like you know like rose up is the new paul revere (laughs) she is dude she would look really good dressed as like a drag paul revere i think we can we please style her (laughs) yeah i really want to style her 
She had, like, her, her hair is typed it looks so good and one of those in little loose braids. Yeah, the, like yeah. the loose braid with the bow at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. That's also very waif Twitter and very Paul Revere at the same time. Um, yeah. We should talk about, I really like, Alexi, this point you made about the flying, the lying flat movement in China because this is something I've been having to look into recently for work. Yeah, I can definitely talk about that. It's kind of my favorite thing. There was this icon who's like kind of how I heard about this this guy named Lelouch who was like a Russian Chinese translator who applied to be a translator on this show that was like an idol production show and then they were like wait you're really hot you should like be on the show and he reluctantly like kind of went on it and thought he would get eliminated and he didn't try it anything he was really bad at singing and dancing like never practiced would openly admit that he wanted to go home he was like this is really hard and would like beg people to not vote for him and he ended up going really far because people loved his slacker vibe so much um and yeah there's this kind of like movement i guess cultural like energy in china called like the lying flat philosophy that kind of rejects like the ccp's kind of positive energy propaganda campaign as well as you know, Confucianist values about work and... And, like, careerism in general. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Hui Fei Xiao, who's, like, this <gasps> professor that is, like, reading part of this article, but she was talking about this, celeb- this like, slacker idol, and she said his slacker ethos was particularly relevant for a 2021 Chinese audience whose sense of powerlessness has been further heightened during the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of, like, thinking about what the popularity of Nepo Babies is rejecting in America or like this slacker attitude overall or um, I guess revering people who seem reluctant and low energy Um, and yeah it's something that's totally like the opposite of rooting for the underdog it's like rooting for the person who just doesn't want to be there at all maybe there's something kind of like sadistic about it in America it doesn't even seem like meritocracy has been culturally relevant within our lifetimes enough to even rebel against one thing i think um is is happening that i've noticed post-pandemic is like sort of the collapse of the protestant work ethic which is like traditionally like very shameful of like being idle um and we're seeing kind of like a laziness throughout all of society everything kind of feels half-assed everyone seems kind of tired um and it is like i think a defeatism that comes from like understanding that you lack a lot of power um, that came from the pandemic and also just like an exhaustion with like culture in general, which is inserted into every facet of our lives now. Um, And you're kind of like forced to do that sort of work now. uh, And people just are kind of like into people who don't give a fuck about culture and just like insert themselves to be like layabouts and lazy with an idol all the time. Yeah, I feel like along with the tumblr post which i don't even know i should really look up and see if there's like a real theory the thing that's like uh there's no ethical consumption under capitalism i feel like another thing that really struck hard with gen z that seems to live on with them is like the post that's like what's your dream job i don't dream of labor oh yeah and there are kind of two responses to this and one of them is just like fetishizing being a nepo baby like we have this whole list of tweets of people that are like my dream job is being a Nepo baby, but it's such an obvious fantasy that's like, you can't go back and be born as someone else. So it has like a really high level of escapism to it. 
And the other kind of like normal girl thing to do is just like fantasize about marrying rich or like the, I don't know, I feel like being a sugar baby is like a major, yeah, sugar baby, trad wife, the thing that's like me after like killing my like 12th husband and walking around in like a robe or something, which is so much more corny, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, what's interesting about that is that um, our goals as people have very much changed uh, within the past couple generations. Like people don't, people long for like some sort of like collective standard for like milestones and that sort of thing. And, you know, the media and society we live in has sort of like collapsed all that sort of thing. There's like a, um, you know, like there's like integrative qualities to digital media. That's like the Delusian thing, right? Like the, um, like the new like type of production is integrative and like a highway. Um, so we don't have any more boundaries or milestones and we're all kind of in this like limbo. Um, I was going to say, I used to have this really basic theory when I first started doing fashion theory stuff, which is like that the reason people in the late 2010s became so obsessed with like kinky sex and, uh, be having alternative unique outfits was that neoliberalism made it impossible for any of us to control the like high level material conditions of our life. So like having the house you want, being able to provide for a family. So that everyone just kind of like became obsessed with things you can control, which is like mm-hmm. your sex life and how you present yourself in your clothes. And which is obviously just like a form of individualism. I mean, I think that's like a kind of, related to the attainable beauty standard that someone like Bella Hadid sets, even though she's transcendently beautiful, she totally attained it um, and bought her way into it. Um, Very literally bought her face. And I think people enjoy seeing living vicariously through these types of, um, because people do feel very stuck and they feel like they can't achieve um, the lives that they see in media. And right now we're living in the age where everyone over identifies with media and everyone wants to have the main character of the movie, like romantic lifestyle that is just simply impossible to achieve. Um, so it is interesting to see kind of like the, everything is actually more attainable, uh, contrary to what people say about people like Bella or Kylie, um, people can look like that if they try hard enough and buy enough shit, you know? Like, And we even we even see that with trying to look like uh, the other girls, like Alana Champion and Lily Rose Depp, because they're such inspirations to, I don't know, the, the thin-spo side of the internet. And you have this idea that you can look like them if you lose enough weight. And that's like the same thing. That's what I find interesting because we we've talked about key body typing before, and I love the both Alana Champion and Lily Rose Death have the gamine body type, which is like bobblehead. Um, so it is just like reducing your body as much as possible so that your head is like the most prominent feature, and you don't have to wear anything to look glamorous. You kind of just look effortless um, in like a little skirt and just like a plain t-shirt or something you know it's literally the pepe vacation because pepe looks so cute in that shit yeah and it's, it's true, true. <laughs> yeah <sighs> you want to you want to look like a cartoon um like naturally without any filters or without any makeup it's like a very elegant cartoon it's not like the e-girl cartoon mm-hmm. but 
Uh, I don't know. That's why I like Bella Hadid and I don't know. Bella Hadid seems like better than Spo and like Kendall Jenner. Not to be like guys like get on this than Spo, but I think they're like <laughs> extremely long legs and traditional high fashion overall bone structure. And I don't know. I guess it's like that's something that you know you're not gonna get through losing weight. Mm-hmm. Like your appendages getting longer. It's which I think is why it's such a fantasy, and I think that's why '90s supermodels have this like actual post not post human but like supernatural beauties because a lot of them were just like huge <laughs> but now it doesn't matter that to be like physically imposing <laughs> they're big bitches they're big ass yeah no <laughs> lily rose Jeff Depp is literally five three uh which is crazy to me but one thing that's actually interesting is like i feel like with the um sort of like laziness of society the lay about mentality slacker thing i feel like this is also the reason why um nepotism models are so prominent because i feel like the reason they were able to break into that industry in the first place is because people stopped caring so much about the production of their cult like the production of art and media and so they kind of like are both too embarrassed to like say no to like your famous friend's average looking child whatever they want to walk for like jacquemus or something um and also you don't care enough about the artistic vision you don't want to work enough for it so that there's like some sort of like aesthetic consistency with all of your models um which is weird to me i don't know (laughs) and in a in a digital digital age if you will i mean fashion does depend on how many clicks things are getting and if you have a kendall jenner or someone headlining your show it's gonna get so many more clicks than if it's like Cause there's, I mean, there's girls in the industry that everyone in the industry knows, uh, but the general public doesn't know them. And even if they, if they're opening it or closing it, it's not going to matter as much in terms of SEO results. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's also, it's like the outrage economy because people know they'll be, I think, you know, I think they were intentionally producing bad Kendall Jenner photo shoots at some points because I agree. the rate of engagement that those got were just like, wow, everyone, everyone felt like they had a good context and everyone felt like they could be an expert and be like, Vogue fell off. Like, I can't believe this is what like high fashion has come to. Yeah. Twitter for some reason is really obsessed with this very solid idea of high fashion where they were just like, post a picture of Addison Rae and be like, she'll never be high fashion. And it's like, they're not even trying to make her that. High fashion doesn't exist as a concept anymore, though, I don't think. Yeah. And I honestly think if anyone, I think Addison Rae is high fashion because Addison Rae has a dynamic personality in photos. And Mm -hmm. that I think is what, that's what's really missing from high fashion and editorial is that- Oh, the girls aren't wanna, (laughs) they're not gonna wanna hear this. I agree, though. She has poise to her. Like, you know? Like, she has a good energy. That's true. I love Kendall Jenner. I was gonna talk about her furry vibes. <laughs> we love her furry vibes. Yeah, Kendall Jenner always talks about how she, like, wants to be a dog or a horse or something, and she just feels like she's not human. I just feel like she would be like, I can't even, or like, I can't adult today or something. She seems like she should just read... Wait, maybe she has read my your rest and relaxation because she does have this vibe about her that she just wants to like opt out of the human experience so badly. Yeah, she is like a literal book stylist that gets her all the internet girl books. She read Darcy Wilder's book. She read 
I'm so sad today's book. I don't know who else. I actually just watched this Kendall Jenner video earlier where she, it was an interview for their last, last season of Keeping Up With Kardashians. And there was a whole segment where Kendall talks about how nepotism worked against her and that people didn't want to cast her and stuff because she had this name, this really famous reality television name and how she would take her last name off of her, what are they called? Your, what are they called? Your, your model cards, whatever those are called. And I thought it was really interesting that she wanted to bring that, that to the forefront. such a cap. Are you kidding? I really don't. I have a hard time believing that. Like maybe models would have, <laughs> maybe it, yeah, maybe designers would have held on to that for like one season, but once they saw the success and like engagement rate of how that worked out, like what brands have been saying money is enough to not work with her. Mm-hmm. I think they're like pretty few. No, yeah, because fashion is so cucked by yeah. social media. Like there's no way to get around it. Well, it's also like um, one of the things I always think about. I have this like fantasy of like returning to like the fashion of the 90s where you pluck these like models out of obscurity from some like Balkan town, like war torn, like very poor. And then like they're just these like genetic freaks that look like aliens and you just like put them on the runway and they look fantastic. They're like six foot two. But I think it's also like there is a standardization to everything. Like everything's been sort of equalized again, like integrated all boundaries and um, like there's like there's no more gatekeeping in anything. And so fashion would probably improve if we had more of a sense of like the underdog and like people fetishize like the Oprah narrative of like, um, like, wow, like this person came from nothing and like, um, like they earned their way through their like transcendent beauty. But it's also like if there is an underdog narrative, it's going to be adopted by like the most annoying type of like headline that everyone's going to be bombarded by um, and everyone is tired of. So the reason that can't work anymore is in part, I think, because there used to be a seasonal phenotype for models. Like mm-hmm. when Jim Award was really coming up, there was like the baby doll look that was like Jim Award, Jessica Stam, some other girls. And then there was, I mean, even just like at the most basic level, like heroin chic and Lindsay Wixon was also, and like that girl Daphne Gronenfeld oh, yeah. from whatever country. They were like the, they were like the big lipped freaks. And the last one I can remember that this happened was in 2016 around when Lucky Blue Smith and having bleached blonde hair was a super big thing. And that was like a, almost like an access card into fashion was bleaching your hair, like sober. (laughs) But that doesn't exist anymore. And so. Um, Weirdly enough, like, I think that the last, it's very fitting for the current tone of things with the last, like, like a seasonal phenotype for models that I can remember was like actually like people with like what's her name uh Winnie Harlow like uh Vitiligo and like uh that one girl that was an American Horror Story Melanie Gatos that was bald and had some sort of like genetic disorder I feel like Gucci is responsible for this Gucci had like their casting was like a freak show at some point yeah it's very much like look at how freaky we can take it and then things started to collapse and then it was like, okay, let's just like fit this quota so that nobody gets mad at us. Uh, I loved how people on TikTok started using, like, you could be a Gucci model as a backhanded compliment. <laughs> like, sometimes it was true, like, wow, this person has, like, one unconventional feature that's very beautiful, but sometimes I was like, y'all are really pushing it. 
I don't even think that type of like exquisite weirdness is like fashionable anymore. I think it's more like hot girls, like Bella Hadid, and then it's like total uggos. And I don't even think that in a mean way, but it's like there's that kind of hyper specificity about what makes you stand outside of the beauty standard doesn't seem to exist anymore. It's more just like mm-hmm. get like a random ugly girl and she can she can walk which sounds so mean but like i i really do think that that ended fairly quickly it did and i think it's like um people really started to over identify with the media that they were consuming and like really wanting and demanding to see themselves in the media that they were consuming and so they there was like this extreme social pressure to cast people that looked like everybody like a it's very, it's like very '90s globalism propaganda. Like, um, Benetton. Have, oh, I love Benetton yeah, Benetton. Vibes. Yeah, no, I love Benetton vibes too. It would be classier if they did it that way, which had like its own like all-encompassing aesthetic. But like the the thing that's interesting about this new wave is like it has no aesthetic. It has no like uniformity to it. It's just like low effort, sloppily put together. Um, yeah, because I think that you should be thinking about what models look like when they're standing next to each other as a composite, Mm -hmm. not individually. I think that's what makes a good editorial and that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, no, there's no consistency. No one cares enough about their craft at all. It is like a a collapse of any type of work ethic. Like no one cares about the craft anymore because culture has become something that people hate because it's like become totally volatile and inserted into every aspect of people's lives um but it's also the only thing people care about like it's literally the only thing people care about there's no other institutions that people I'm so excited for the Met Gala. it's true what you said biz the comment that you made about the um the vogue cover which i think speaks to your point about like a lack of understanding of unity or harmony when it comes to casting groups yeah it's just like when you are casting these Nepo girls next to other models, it just seems like a weird charity kind of thing. Like, I feel like in the 90s, they would do a lot of editorials of girls that were in the same kind of group of fame, I guess, together. Like, that one Versace picture with, like, all of those supermodels in the fuzzy sweaters. And that, like, became really iconic, but it was also pretty iconic for the time. Like, they just need to do a real Nepo Models editorial and just be like, damn, like, y'all take it for real. That would be so cool. I think if you're putting people that are objectively more attractive than their compatriot models, you need to do something to, like, elevate the less attractive person's beauty and make them, I don't know pop in some way like give them an opportunity to serve it's not right like it's not yeah, no, it's so... oh i guess this is a, a topical note which is that i feel that even outside of um outside of twitter and the gen z online community and nepotism is becoming a hotter topic and i only know this because ben stiller recently got into a like a very heated nepotism debate on twitter uh because there's a movie that just got cast with like Steven Spielberg's son, Stephen King's son, Sean Penn's son, and he just like got into a nepotism fight with this, uh, some sort of director or something. So 
This is definitely leaking out into mainstream discourse more than usual. It was really well. funny. He said that young mm-hmm. nepotism kids face problems. Yeah, he was like, they face Adversity. it for even if it's like different, like barriers to the industry. I'm like, God, that's just like what Kendall Jenner was trying to imply. Well, yeah, I think he, a lot of people with nepotism take a very like, or who, because def- Ben Stiller is a nepo really? baby. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah, Jerry dad, Stiller, his dad, yeah. Is a, is a famous comedian, Sam, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was a stand up comedian, but um, it, he was like kind of fringe. So Ben, Ben really like is like a success story of nepotism. Like he really took it to another level, which is cool, I think. But then his mom is also an For actress. Sure. So Uh-oh. maybe she's more famous. I'm not sure. But I want to read Ben Stiller's tweet because it's it was funny. Oh, here it is. This is a very common defense of nepotism, which is uh, people working, creating. Everyone has their path. Wish them all the best, which I feel like is a kind of a laissez-faire approach to it. Uh, like, I, I feel like the nepotism, what nepotism argument is like, creation in itself is good and so we should let it happen yeah i mean i i I don't totally disagree with that like um like you're always going to have i mean and i agree that nepotism babies probably face personal adversity like lily rose depp with her lockjaw or whatever (laughs) like um like i'm sure these people have been through stuff but like it's with the quality of your output and you should have like even if you're nepotistically inserted into the industry like you should be like sort of like um heard it out pretty quickly if your output is like not very good um but these people just kind of keep going because of the outrage that they cause and the clicks that they get and do you can you guys even think of any nepotism babies that are like actually horrible though like horrible and i mean in terms of talent and output not just like being a general flop in life but like who is yeah. in a movie and like ruins the movie <laughs> Um, Sofia Coppola was in The Godfather 3, and she's oh God, pretty she well-known. Yeah. yeah, she, like, ruined that movie. And then I think, like, a, a nepotism baby that's kind of a flop is, like, Martin Scorsese's daughter, very well-known for, like, oh. kind of directing kind of floppy movies that nobody really wanted to watch. And so she tried to get into, like, the, uh, um, like, festival circle, circuit. Oh, no, that... Who started an OnlyFans? There's like a few celebrities who their children have OnlyFans, which is like very sad. Probably. Oh, oh wait, I know. We are missing something huge here. Chet Hanks. Mm. Oh, I love mm. him. He is like the. Yeah. adore him. He is like the Nepo flop of the summer. Oh, God, don't say that. He invented White Boy Summer. It's true. Um. He, he's hilarious. <laughs> like he's he's like a good. He he's fulfilling like because you know celebrities now. Um, they don't care as much about like Hollywood. They're like all making TikToks and stuff because they love being famous and they understand mm-hmm. that like the way to be famous is by going viral. And so they too are going viral, which is like such a step down to me. And like somehow Chet Hanks is like really good at doing this. Like he's just like a really good poster because he never had like a career. Yeah, like he never had to unlearn PR tactics that your PR people teach you about posting on social media because exactly. he never had a career. Mm-hmm. I want to clarify a point that I made earlier about Gen Z liking people with no talent, which I don't think is true, but I think with the rise of the creator, I said it was true earlier, but I don't actually think it's true. I think with the rise of the creator economy, minimal talent is an option that has a higher reward, like being a content creator and most, most 
uh, capacity. It doesn't require a ton of talent or hard work. Um, so that was kind of my point. To be a good content creator, you have, kind of have to like lack the neuroticism and have a like really laid back attitude in order to produce things that people like um, and can like cathartically release their artistic impulses with. Um, well, you have to be laid back in general because if you're not, you end up like a Trisha Paytas type, which is like obviously been really good for her <laughs> fame and career, but like it will destroy you. It's gonna kill her, like it is. Like, yeah, it is gonna kill her. I'm really worried about her, but you know, that's for another time. Um, and then my last point on that is like, I think another source of tension there is that girls like Charlie and Allison have risen to the tops and they're kind of like the tops. They've risen to the top. And then if you look at their comment section, there's constantly comments about them having no talent, but mm -hmm. there is no need for talent in this new creator economy. So it's like really redundant that people are saying that, I think. I think that's also why it's so befitting that Bella and Gigi are so famous because the when people started to talk about like the lack of talent um, in like very famous people, it was like through reality TV and they're kind mm -hmm. of like nepotistically inserted into the media sphere because their mom was on reality tv and also kendall and kylie like they really like set the bar for everybody um someone needs to bring back tabloids but only with very specific gen z interest because tabloids kind of keep track of like the most flop 80s celebrities and uh, wait do you guys have you ever seen like the tiktok star paparazzis like oh my videos? god i love those They're hollywood really fix interesting to watch <gasps> Hollywood Fix, yeah, that is definitely a return of tabloid culture, but yeah, it should be printed mm -hmm. up on some glossy mm -hmm. pages, I think. Yeah, we need another Perez Hilton for Gen Z. Like, it would be like a cash cow if someone just started a blog. This, These like... kids, they, they paparazzi themselves so hard because they're constantly posting, so yeah. they need to learn that their mystique will rise if they stop posting. For example, this is a really good example of this. Uh, Addison Ray, when she was... I think cheated on by her former boyfriend TikTok star Bryce Hall. There was like this really sad video of her from Hollywood Fix, like crying and trying to smile through the tears when he was asking questions about their breakup. And that was like, uh, honestly, I feel like a very definitive piece of online ephemera for her. And what is way more powerful than anything she could have made herself on her own channels. It's so true. And that's why they made a whole movie about that scenario. And that was like now her like, career is just like as an actress acting out her own life like that's so meta like uh i kind of love it i love the complication of all of that like trying to explain this is like a, like it's an odyssey it's like a grecian mythology or something like yeah and i can't believe i said that i think uh, addison ray is a high fashion girly but i agree with you i think she has charm and she's she has like the american pie or all american girl thing and like, she's willing she might... to put in work yeah, she is. And she comes from humble origins. She's just like a... I feel like she grew up being on teams or something like that. I feel like she would be good at team sports. I want to do cheer or something with her. Yeah, she's like a volleyball girl for sure. We should take cheerleading lessons. Everyone is taking like a ballet, ballet. lessons, but we should do cheerleading. I want to do cheer so bad. This reminds me... Oh god, I wish we could talk about like Nessa Barrett she seems like the best example of like forced mystique like she's trying so hard to seem broken like she literally said in an interview I'm just a really broken person <laughs> but 
just like let people come to that conclusion like with Addison smiling through the tears it's just a lot more cute exactly yeah I mean I kind of like that she's forcing it it it, it up it ups her meme potential mm-hmm. which is like the most important thing if you're like building your own career but I kind of think Gen Z doesn't necessarily pick up on the fact that it's not normal to say something like that because I feel like they think in admissions like tweet admissions oh that's so, so like, true tweeting out like I'm so broken like that is how they think of communicating it's the same way as when we start like thinking in meme formats and stuff and so I don't think that would register for a young person as being something that's like contextually inappropriate. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I've heard people say stuff like that in real life, but totally it is like verbal posting, you know, because you're so used to that sort of like output of thought. Um, it makes for the funniest conversations because you just look at someone after they say that and you're like, girl, what? <laughs> like... I know. Yeah, it's great. Um, do you guys have, I think maybe that's, all the main material we wanted to cover, I think. Yeah. I think so as well. I did have some funny tweets that I thought that I don't think I mentioned in this specific recording. Uh, do you guys mind if I read or one? Do you guys mind if I read one or two of those? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is my favorite, which is ED Twitter, eating disorder Twitter for those who are not a part of it, is so obsessed with Lana Del Rey and mediocre nepotism models. Like, okay, you think you're Sylvia Plath and Jody Arias. Please take your vitamins. You are delirious. That one's funny. Uh, what else What's is on Bob's here? Your- oh, this one's, like, really crazy. What are you saying, Lexi? Like, Bob's your uncle is a nepotism. Oh, that's, like, a... I just wrote that down randomly because the phrase... Bob's your uncle apparently comes from Mandela effect. I literally know. I thought this was important, but Tia told me that like this British guy that she's seeing texted her something with Bob's your uncle in it, and I had to explain it to her, and it was really hard to do. (laughs) I know because it means nothing. It just means like that's that. It doesn't mean anything. It's just like exactly, yeah. Wait, actually, yeah. Huh? What? Bob's your uncle? What does it mean? It means basically. Who is that? America forward, everything is so easy. It's like that. Oh, it sounds funny. Oh, wait. Should I have him explain Bob's your uncle? I kind of want to, like. Yeah, wait. Let's hear it. He's just, um. Yeah, here, wait. This is my friend Kevin, and he wants to explain Bob's your uncle. Hey, Kevin. I don't need to be hooked up to anything, right? No, just just say what you just said. All right. So basically. The origin of the phrase Bob's your uncle is some guy named Bob was like a famous duke or something and no, famously put his nephews in the like positions of power. <laughs> so the phrase Bob's your uncle is like a British or Australian way of saying from that point forward everything's really easy. It's like nepotism. Oh, yeah. okay, very fucking cool. Wait, so Bob is what is? Dying laughing at the thought that <laughs> there was a funny. duke named Bob. <laughs> 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 oh, there was a duke named Bob, but okay. um, <laughs> it was that guy's uncle, and so that's that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That should answer the phraseology of Nepo Twitter. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Depp's your dad. Uh, yeah. And Johnny Depp's your dad. That's actually really funny. That's the name Buster Uncle. 
um yeah why did someone uh, say george only... bush was a ne- nepotism baby <laughs> He is a Nepo baby. Yes, he was. He was. His dad was the other president. Oh, right. Him. Wait, I'm so <laughs> fucking stupid. Please edit that out. Holy shit. Never mind. No, we have to leave that oh. in. That's funny as shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, also, other, I think we should have a little talk about our favorite and least favorite Nepo um, babies, if you guys have any. And also, just want to say, JFK is a Nepo baby, and so is FDR. Um, Very true. FDR, greatest president, so. Yeah, he's a Nepo baby. Well, uh, I just have to say... Oh, God, there's so many great society yeah. nepos, but... But those, I feel like, those just... I feel like they just have rich parents. Like, if you're not going into the industry that your parents... Just socialites, yeah. ...did, I think you just have rich parents. Like, maybe yeah. you can be an industry plant with your parents pulling strings, but I don't think it counts quite as much. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is important. I feel like socially, a nepo baby and industry plant get interchanged a lot, but they're distinct from each other. Because the essence of being a socialite is that you are only philanthropically involved, yeah. basically. By this definition, I think my favorite Nepo babies are Devin and Steve Aoki. But maybe they just have rich parents. They're like the heirs to the Benihana fortune. No, they're definitely they're definitely Nepo okay, babies. Cool. Yeah. I, I love them. Like, and, I feel like if your parents are rich enough, it's like the, the cap of like, if your dad is like... Uh, and he was yeah. also a wrestler, the Benihana guy. He was like a famous Japanese professional wrestler. Also, Mr. Aoki, like, uh, Benihana is very much like a Los Angeles Hollywood thing when it first came up, mm. I, I, to my knowledge. And if you run a really successful restaurant in LA, that's so connected to the entertainment industry. Exactly, yeah. Uh, um, my, my favorite is definitely Charlie Sheen. Like, without a doubt, I love that guy. I think he is insane. I, it's like a Nepo baby gone wrong, but it was so right. You know, like, it hits so good. Um, hands down favorite. It's deranged behavior is kind of great for Nepo baby vibes. I wish they were more unhinged. Yeah, yeah, Chet Hanks. I yeah. actually feel like we have lost that essence of unhinged Nepo baby, which Robert Downey Jr. was also mm. that. Uh, and that did come back with Chet Hanks, but he's not aesthetically aligned with a Robert Downey Jr. or a young Charlie Sheen, so it doesn't hit the same way. I kind of uh, agree, yeah. I like, feel like I don't have a favorite Nepo off the top of my head, because the two you guys just named are really good. Uh, we I do like Sofia Coppola, but I would she keeps my favorite Nepo. Right now, my favorite is Anya Taylor Joy, who is not a Nepo in the traditional sense. She just comes from a really rich and kind of like internationally connected family, and I am obsessed with her. And she is very. Did she slice her paparazzi photos? Are great. My least favorite is Haley Baldwin. I think she's like yes. the least charming person ever. You know, it's interesting you say that because so many people have an opposite opinion of you, Alexi, and I, I actually I do agree with you, but a lot of people are attracted to her for her down-to-earthness, quote-unquote. She's, like, boring as hell. Yeah, people conflate those um, two way too often. I mean, other Nepo models would be, like, Kristen Mc- McNamee's daughter, uh, Georgia Mae Jacker, get the London look, um, <laughs> iconic right. Nepo model. Um, uh... Nepotism is wait, a story. We forgot Ella fucking M. Hurst. What is her name? Ella, M. Hurst. Ella Emhoff. M. Emhoff. Oh yeah, <laughs> we forgot Emma. El, Emma Lemlo. 
Uh, no, the the daughter of Kamala Harris. Is that who you're talking about? Her, her stepdaughter. Yeah, she's a huge yeah. nepo. That is so... But I feel like she's such a... She's a good example of a flop nepo baby. Because, like, no... She's going nowhere with her career. Like, I'm sorry. Like... Wait, guys, yeah. I... In, in, in relation to the DNC, I have a new favorite nepo baby, which is that... Um, Pete Buttigieg and his partner Chastin, I believe his name is, just gave birth yeah. to two baby boys, and they are my new favorite Nepo babies. <laughs> I really hope that they like walk for Gucci one day. Me or, too. Like, like that'd be. So- we should finish this with some predictions. I think I'm really excited to see how the generation that's like Blue Ivy, the Kardashian West kids, like I feel like that whole extended family had like 20 kids in the period of last 10 years and like stormy jenner i Mm -hmm. i'm really curious about how they're gonna grow up and i wonder if they're even gonna want to be famous um because they've been content farmed their whole lives but i guess that is an important element of the nepo babies reluctant attitude but i yeah i do want to bring back this super party Mm -hmm. like embarrassment to your clan brand of nepo baby (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like um i have a prediction for that is that i think that it's going to be like adjacent to the mia farrow clan um because i think that if you grow up in a family of like a bunch of kids especially in the modern age where your parents are not super involved in your life because they're working like one or two of them are going to end up like absolutely fucked up like yeah. it's very sad especially but... because it's a third generation it's a third generation of nepos and i feel like yeah, something something has to go down. And also I feel like Blue Ivy especially has Yeah. They have nonchalant attitudes or people are always memeing the kids for being like, Oh, like they just don't like care. I don't know. Like they just seem sassy, like Yeah, Northwest seems like she has a little bit of sass to her. Yeah, there's like that tragic video that came out of like Kylie, like Kylie Jenner's daughter being like, I really want to ride a yellow school bus. So they like bought an empty school bus for her to walk through. Like that is so tragic. Like oh That my is God. so tragic. Yeah, I think <laughs> what you guys are saying about this kind of like huge family hierarchy, that always plays a role in a child's development. And like mm-hmm. you said, they literally had like 40 children in like five mm-hmm. years. And the fact that they're all so close in age is also, I think, going to affect them i know that like was something that happened in my family i think when you're really close in age there's just a huge amount of i don't know your personalities grow off each other's when you're really close in age yeah and then whenever the competition is it like inserted into something like that it's like totally disastrous and then there's not even potential of like an older kid becoming almost like a parenting figure and like um nurturing the younger ones like they're all kind of the same age so they're just gonna like be at each other's throats all the time. It would be cool if we got a really cool a party girl out of this, like an Amanda de Cadenet type mm-hmm. of person. Um, but I don't know if that'll happen. And I do wonder, there's not going to be the same motivation for wealth that drives both the Christianer origin and then all the way down the family into like Kylie. Because like, how could there mm-hmm. be? Like they have accrued so much yeah, I wealth. I feel like if you have a momager, you wouldn't want to continue the momager vibe. Yeah. Yeah. There is something to be said about third generation too, because Paris Hilton was. I mean, I feel like there might be a third generation curse. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh man, what if they start dying like the Kennedys? That's crazy. (laughs) Wait, Kim. 
Kim like collects like JFK memorabilia very yeah, famously. She, does. she like it's like oh it's actually Northwest's heirloom is like a JFK like thing, which is cursed, obviously. It has to have a curse in that thing, so um Yeah. I wonder they've actually been really fortunate in their lives so far not to experience tragedy in that way so it's interesting to see if that will be maintained or not though they're from the west coast and west coast tragedy is just always going to be different than east coast tragedy mm-hmm. um, i mean the dad died right so and oj yeah that was a tragic backstory yeah that was yeah. a tragic backstory but it still doesn't have the same frequency or oddity i think of the kennedys yeah yeah i don't think anyone's died yet but We'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know. <laughs> yep. Well, I guess this is our time to say goodbye. Good, good night, little nepo babies. <laughs> Let us know who your faves and least faves are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should also. You guys should let us know if any of you are nepo babies and like expose your backstory. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good night, everyone. Bob's your uncle. <laughs>